Everyone has a story, but not everyone is a storyteller. Hello, my name is Karen Tang, Tang Keren, and my name is Ahmed Nomadic Ali. Welcome. You're listening to Otherwise Wisdom from the Other, a podcast dedicated to empowering diverse communities living on Treaty Six territory by sharing stories of their lived experiences. This episode of the Otherwise podcast is recorded on September 11th, 2021. Hey, Ahmed, how are you doing today? I am doing well. How are you? Good. I haven't talked to you in a few weeks.、Um, I imagine things are only picking up. They are. They are picking up again. You know, I've always loved the door knocking aspect of campaigning, but then I'm also reminded of how much walking that happens, and、uh, my body's readjusting and shaping. At one point during COVID era, I、uh, got all the way to 200, and prior to that, I had never went anywhere near 180.、Uh-huh. And so now that I've been walking about 10k a day,、yeah. honestly, I'm down to like 185, one. Yeah. Yeah. So it's. <laughs> It's going fast. It's been good though. It's been great. Yeah.、Uh, today is nine eleven, and you know I think I've seen lots of、uh, reporting and just stuff on social media, and people are re- remembering this day twenty years. Do you remember where you were at that time? I was in school, if I'm honestly not mistaken, when it happened. But I didn't know the significance of what was happening.、Mm-hmm. I only started to feel the significance of what happened many years later. Um, in terms of my name being red flagged and all these other situations, yeah, and how much it changed people's lives. Yeah, it was tough. It's、uh, unfortunate, honestly, because as as people on the outside, we don't know the details of these things that happen, and no human life should ever be taken regardless. And so it's it was disastrous, and it's unfortunate that so many people had to, to go through, and then the first responders who had to deal with their health afterwards in terms of、um, inhaling all of the toxins, and it's. Yeah, no, it was it was tough, and、um, you know, rest in peace to all of those who lost their lives, and I hope all the families are able to、um, heal and move on. Yeah, I remember I was、uh, I was actually an exchange student in Japan at the time, and so when it happened during the daytime, it was kind of like the opposite time for me, and I just remember, and I actually remember that moment very clearly because I was so far away. I mean, I grew up in the states, not too far from New York City. And、uh, I just remember so vividly because you know my host family was like, "Oh, hey, Karen, come check that. What's this? Is what's happening to America?" And it was like America was on fire, and、mm. I was like, I, "This must be a movie," you know. And I was so far removed from it, and they were like, "No, this is real." And I was like trying to phone my parents and kind of trying to figure out. But and you know, twenty years later, and I think we're still dealing with the ramification. <laughs> Yeah. What happened,、uh, and then changing so 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 many ways.、Um, mm-hmm. The lives in Afghanistan, back in Afghanistan, and here. Exactly. Oh man. Anyways, like you said, rest in peace for all of those first responders, and、mm-hmm. uh, for all those families and people and and nations who are still going through very much, you know, healing journey still. Yeah. And this week is also when advanced polling for the federal election started. Started yesterday. Have you have you gone to vote yet? Nope, not yet. Honestly, I will be going though. I have been looking at、um, the candidates, looking at、uh, the incumbent's history, just to make sure that I'm voting based on what's best for the community and not necessarily a selfish. This is what I want, and more of an educated guess. But no, I have not went yet. Have you? 
yeah, I wanted to get it out of the way. And so I went kind of first thing that I can. And I was, you know, happy to see it was quite busy. And uh, the poll workers were, you know, they got everything really set up for the social distance and, and, and all of that. But this is going to go uh, go on. And then, you know, the official election day is the 20th, which afterwards, I'm actually as a municipal election candidate. I can't wait for for this election to be over. I don't know about you. 110%. I don't know how this has affected your campaign, per se. But it honestly, I think we were slightly talking about this, uh, maybe even on a podcast about how much oxygen it takes away from what we're doing in a municipal level, because somehow we either a lose resources or have to combat for resources or fall into the trap of being asked what allegiance you are, who you are, or even people turn you away because they think you're a federal candidate. Yeah, that's right. And uh, I mean, not only is it overtaking airwaves, but it's also taking away like volunteer power. You know, uh, I know a, a few of ours are, are door knocking for federal candidates. And and we were kind of chatting about this earlier, but I've, I've always had people ask me what parties I'm with, whether provincially or federally. And, you know, one of the reasons why I'm running municipally is because I believe in the nature of nonpartisanship, because I think the way we make decisions as a group, as 13 people, 13 votes versus a very bipartisan approach is just so different. And, you know, and that's why, you know, I am I am at this level and this is a level I truly care about. But I just think it takes away so much because I think human nature, we want to put people in boxes because it's easier for us to analyze, you know, how close are we in relation to each other? And then therefore I can make a decision about whether or not I should support you. You're right. I've definitely uh, been getting that before the federal election was announced. Um, but the things really picked up, you know, after, and people very blatantly asked me, are you conservative, liberal, NDP? And I'm like, well, 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 local politics is nonpartisan. Well, I, I know that, but I just want to know, you know, federally, yeah. <laughs> what party are you with? <laughs> yeah, I, you know, that's, you're right. And it's weird because I don't, I don't know what the relevance is. That whole team mentality takes away, that's, it causes so much challenge because you, you cannot identify as just one thing. We are so many identities. That's what intersectionality is, right? We are so many different things in one that we cannot be labeled as just one group or one person. That's why, much like you, honestly, um, I party politics is challenging because we don't all think the exact same, but somehow you're supposed to carry the same message continuously. You know, it doesn't feel like it's infiltrated to an actual where everybody gets to say it's like, no, the party decides this or a group of people have decided this. Whereas an individual counselor, you can say, hey, I've had the time to think I don't have to bounce it off of anybody to make sure that it aligns with a specific thing. No. Is it lawful? Is it legal? Is it beneficial for the community? Let's bring it to the table. And the only people you're really bouncing off of or accountable to are the people you're representing. No, exactly. totally. And one of the things I've been really kind of reflecting on too is uh, when we talk about party or partisan politics, it's very institutional. And so, you know, like kind of what you're saying, like there is a group of people who kind of design the policies and as candidates, you kind of like are part of this process where you're given, you know, you're given messaging and that kind of stuff. Not always, but predominantly like oftentimes. And I just find... I don't know how really truly welcoming it is, that kind of institutional environment, how truly welcoming it is for women to participate, for BIPOC folks to participate. And 
And so I think that's something I've been kind of thinking about because federal election is so topical right now and and we're all door knocking and and I've just been thinking about that a lot. No, you're right. There are so many systems that are in place that seem independent but work in conjunction to make it challenging for women and people of uh, of color. Honestly, it's 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 very minute, but it it builds up these things, right? Like not having old money or having network of people who are in the media or saying having a group of volunteers, whereas a lot of times, in all honesty, as immigrants, we're like, I'll do it myself. We're so used to doing things, asking is almost wrong for those things. So to ask for donations or to ask for volunteers isn't really beneficial or, well, it's, it's necessary, but it's not as simple as asking people who are already going through their own struggles for support. You know, and and so you're you're absolutely right in, in terms of the whole system created in this way. And, and people assume that when you talk about systems, you're talking about the people. No, there will always be people in the system who are deliberately uh, benefiting from it and, and are intentional from that. But then there's a lot of people who work against those who are trying to change the system because they're just comfortable and they don't want to really look beyond. It just ah, it's not an issue at the moment, you know. Mm-hmm. It's challenging. So for you to have to answer, um, who are you uh, voting for or what party are you with? Man, it's like, thank you. But at the moment, they've asked me. They're like, uh, so who are you with? Um, wh- what party are you with? I say, listen, I'm a progressive and I'm willing to support any party that's making sure that you're getting represented. I'm willing to work with anybody at any time. The whole point is that I want you represented and that you receive the fair and balanced life that you require, whether it's reducing your taxes. It's not about the other folks. Yeah. They're just part of a system much as I am. People ask me that too. And I'm always like, look around me. I'm like, who am I with? I'm here by myself. I'm a party of one right here. Purple party of one. But um, yeah, and yesterday when I went to vote, you know, I and I and I shared this on social media as well. I think voting is really powerful. You know, it's, it's one, you know, X that you're marking on a piece of paper, but I, it just always brings me back to when I actually became a citizen in 2015. So it hasn't been that long. Um, and all the power that I realized I suddenly had, like so many people who are born with this privilege, I think. And you know that throughout history, people have fought for this right. And I just remember up until that point in 2015, prior to that, as a permanent resident, I chose not to be engaged. I chose, like, if there's a flyer for a party or an election, I just like not even bother to look at it. People wanted to talk politics. I'm like, no, thank you. I can't vote. I don't have a say. I don't care. I can't, you know, be involved. Um, and now that I'm on the other side, I just feel so like, you know, there are ways to be involved. And I don't know about you, but you must be running into lots of uh, permanent residents because I know I am uh, pr- pretty much every other door. 100%. No, I, I am. Because if you think about the neighborhoods that I'm looking to represent, there's a lot of um, diversity. And honestly, people, when they hear permanent resident, they assume it's a, it's a, it's a person who's Asian or, or Somali. Mm-hmm. Or, there's a lot of United States, there's a lot of Americans here that are permanent residents, people from Australia that are permanent residents. And yeah, you're right. My husband. That. <laughs> that sentiment that you had, like, uh, why? Because I can't vote. It happened. I go and they say, oh, sorry, I'm a permanent resident. And I go, okay. Um, and they're like, oh, I, no need. Don't waste your flyer. Um, I can't vote. 
But then I'm like, I reminded you can't vote, you're right, but you can contribute to my success if you'd like to volunteer or if you'd like to take a lawn sign, if you believe in the values that I have or any of the other candidates, you still can contribute. You know, but yeah, so I, I, feel, I feel you on that sentiment. Yeah, and you know, even though they don't vote, they're still paying property taxes, right? You know, they're still going and contributing to the economy. Their children, you know, go to schools, whether public or Catholic or, or whatever, uh, I was still part of the education system. And and I say to people all the time, you know, all those decisions that affect every aspect of your property taxes, you know, the public institutions you participate in, and, you know, your children's education system are all impacted by actually municipal elections. And so no matter what, you know, there's still a lot of things that will impact your quality of life. And there's a lot of reason to follow along, you know, even if you're not really deciding not to participate, but definitely follow along. Um, and several years ago, there's a there's a few of us who are kind of trying to leverage the opportunity that came with re, uh, some of the revision of the Local Elections Authorities Act um, with the provincial government, because they were looking at election reform at the municipal level. And one of the things we really advocated for is for permanent residents to vote at the local level, school mm -hmm. board, you know, city council, that kind of stuff. And I just remember that, you know, I, I, I wrote an op-ed about why I think that's important to, to give more power and more say to people. And even some of the most progressive voices are just like, you know, this, this doesn't align with what I believe in. Mm. And it comes down to citizenship, right? That's, you're, that's tough. It's, I, I, I can't say I really understand where this, those folks are coming from, because if somebody is paying for a service, I know this is a, probably a really bad example, but if I'm paying for a cable service, but I don't get to choose what I watch, I don't know. So if you're paying taxes, but you don't really get to vote on who you're supporting, who's going to make it easier for your life, it's kind of weird, right? If they weren't paying taxes and they were just being given government money or whatever it is, that's a different story. But by contributing and paying taxes, you're creating some circle you're creating some money for the city to create projects or to work on projects so i don't i don't understand why they can't i know a non-citizen or somebody who's just landed here right but a permanent resident is, is, is a different story yeah and you know I, I think this whole criteria of citizenship is extremely arbitrary actually like whoever said that you had to be this and this and this in order to vote you know and you know for a long time uh you know the voting rights during the civil rights movement was is was systematically excluding you know african americans you know even in canada i think most people don't even know this uh chinese canadians didn't get their right to vote until the 19 uh 1940s and then it was a japanese canadian and then who guess who got the, the final their right to vote in the 1960s. Don't, don't, don't you dare tell me it's the indigenous community. It was, it was First Asian people, absolutely. Oh, my God. And, and, and so we think about, you know, we I think in all of our episodes, we talk about this role of systemic, you know, systemic racism and how rooted it is. I think this is a really good example of who gets to decide those criteria and who to exclude and who gets to say in who to exclude, right? And why are we excluding them? So I really challenge that point about citizenship and I just don't believe, and, and I think we're, you know, 2021, I think we should have a wholesome conversation about some of these things. And I, I actually really think that that should change. 
Yeah, no, you're right. 100%. Even um, I know a lot of people may disagree with me, but why aren't 16-year-olds able to contribute to the election process? Why aren't they able to vote if this is their future? then why aren't they able to support a younger candidate or a candidate that aligns with what they might see uh, their future looking like? But if they can't vote till they're 18, then they get disengaged. By the time they're 18, they're too busy with life. They're not really. So prepping people early on, getting them involved, is not to say that they're going to ruin the system. They're going to enhance it in the long run, and it will become more efficient, right? Really supporting these folks. Yeah, and that's another group of people. I don't, I don't know if this came up as much for you in the last election when you ran for school board trustee, but I think I remember that particular one. Um, I think the Edmonton Youth Council wanted to put something forward, just about lowering the voting age. I sorry, I can't re- exactly remember the details of that. And I just remember people saying at the doors, like, "What do kids know?" You know, and I'm like, yeah. a lot actually, a lot. especially nowadays. <laughs> exactly, they have so much tools at their disposal. There's so many inspiring, you know, young people um, that I look up to, and uh, and there's like good research that shows that you know when youth under the age of 18 who get involved civically, uh, their whole family actually get more engaged. So what you're actually, when you involve youth, you're not just involving that one person, you're involving a a much wider network and it has much better, I think, just a lot of benefits um, when it comes to elevating civic engagement societally. You're right. And so I think that perspective that you are also um, speaking on, Right. When a permanent, if I knock on the door and somebody's a permanent resident and they say from the Somali or Sudanese community or one of the communities from Africa um, and they say, sorry, I can't uh, vote because I'm not I'm a permanent resident or I'm not a citizen. I go, well, you know what? I think you still should be part of it. And so do you have any of your youth who are at home who may want to volunteer their time? I will provide a lot of insight on to what it is to run as a candidate, they can walk alongside me. They don't have to talk to anybody. By getting them involved, essentially, it's really getting their feet wet in terms of civic engagement. And it's not always only about voting. It would be beneficial if those groups can vote, but they have the capacity to make change if they create momentum. Um, Lawn sign placements, volunteers, these things really would make a difference, especially for a diverse candidate. But people are disenfranchised and they have there's a lot of voter apathy and they say well if i can't vote and it doesn't do anything for me then why even even with those with the power to vote still don't vote so it's it's challenging to um i don't know if this happened to you but again it falls aligned to the systemic challenges there's a lot of doors that haven't been knocked by candidates who or counselors in specific and i find that i find that absurd yeah, and I think that has implications, right? And I was just talking to somebody about actually a school playground infrastructure kind of across the city. And oftentimes in neighborhoods where it's, it's higher income, higher educated population, uh, you have you know community groups more able to advocate for themselves to get the things that they want. But in neighborhoods, whether they're uh, you know, disproportionately immigrant or, you know, English as a second language, et cetera, et cetera, or lower income, uh, less education, people who are, who are more focused on putting food on the table than to say to worry about, you know, infrastructure that could bring to, could improve their quality of life. You were, you were going to see, you know, such inequity in, in, in how they're resourced. No, I, absolutely. I hear you. They have a very good reason to feel that apathy as well, because there are a lot of First Nation people that I've met and 
even some lower income um, white folk who honestly are like, why am I voting every time they make promises, but they never follow through on them or they, they don't really represent me. They never will. I'm, I'm not an elite or I walk up there and say, I'm running for council. And they're like, oh, you want to become part of the elite family? And I go, I, no, it's, it's not that. There is this mentality of not being included and that creates um, honestly more, it creates challenges because it doesn't really welcome or even support those who should be utilizing city services. And then the representation is disproportionate because the people who do need the services never come and vote and they never voice their opinion on who would support them because nobody comes and says, these are the things because all of the here is the federal stuff and assume that's what municipal politics is. Yeah, I always have to remind people, Munoz was your sidewalk, your garbage, you know, and- Your buses, <laughs> your water. Exactly. Uh, and I remember when we were doing the research for that advocacy campaign several years ago around the permanent resident vote, If it's not a new thing. You know, if you look at some of the different cities in Europe, even in the United States, uh, a lot of uh, non-status folks can vote in, in school board trustees, for example, or city council. So what we're talking about is not new. Um, and in a lot of those places, what they found is you know, this particular policy initiative combined with other civic engagement initiatives actually generates a super high voter turnout um, during local election, like 70, 80 percent. We are at 30 percent. And I think in my ward in the last election, in Ward 11, it was 25 percent. It was abysmal. you know. And we got to do more to elevate, I think, civic um, awareness and literacy and, you know, engagement. No, I I completely agree with you. And I think, honestly, if uh, this falls in line perfectly with how how do you like i guess honestly how would you want um the people running the candidates running how what grade right like what ethics or what standards do we give them because currently the standards that are there everybody gets a choice but you know i almost feel like providing an opportunity for candidates who've already been in the community and who have demonstrated their ability to work with partnerships and be part of groups and to uh, go beyond their own circles and to really collaborate and establish some type of support systems, those people become the best politicians because they've already had pre-existing values and ethics and understandings and they bring that to the table and enhance what the city is. But it feels, in all my honesty, that a lot of people are like, you know what, I'm a graduate now, I went to school for politics or I did this or I was part of this one group, I'd be a good candidate. And often they come with money, and so it makes it easy for them to get elected. And then it's just a system of the same people voting in the same people. That's right. I mean, you talk about voter apathy earlier. And I think it's a good example when people show up to the ballot and they're like, well, I haven't done my research. I don't, I'm just going to pick the name that I like the most or the name I see the most frequently, which tends to be incumbent. Um, or the name that I saw when I was driving here and there was a sign. And and so you talk about, you know, how do we want to be rated or judged or evaluated, you know, is it a matter of degree? Is it a matter of education? You know, is that enough? Um, is it a matter of knowing you're connected? Because I have been asked on this, how are you connected with the political circles, you know? Um, and I don't, I don't buy that that's, that's what makes a good politician. And you and I have lots of conversations about this in the past about sort of a community politician versus a career politician and what is you know there's a fundamental difference and worldview in how you approach issues how you interact you know with communities and um 
I mean, I think experience matters. Yeah, right? no, 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 100%. But you know what, though? I think it was, I'm not going to call them out, um, but uh, one of the former mayors, I asked him, I said, what makes a good counselor? And he said, the ability to listen. He's like, anybody can learn the policies and these things. Anybody can contribute, but to not, to, to not be able to listen means that you don't care, right? So it made sense to me. Essentially, of course, it matters if you have the capacity to learn these policies, if you have the ability to enact these policies, 100%. But the purpose of that message, what I really gained from it was, you as a person, Ahmed, are asking me, what makes a good counselor? Can you listen? Meaning, with all the experience that you've accumulated, do you still have the ability to listen to individuals and provide them the support to create these changes? Because in all honesty, I think what happens after the can you listen means, are you able to take input from other folks to make change? And are you willing to enact those changes as well? Right? It's not just simply listening, but do you have the capacity to look beyond your own ego and your self-interest to listen to a group of people in, in, in a way that is understanding of where they're approaching something and then create something that is beneficial for all. And that happens by being somebody who's collaborated with communities and who has genuine lived experience. And of course, education matters. And of course, it matters if you are connected to a certain degree. But there are a lot of community members who people don't hear of, hear of or even know that are involved in the creation of community leagues and of malls and of specific things in neighborhoods because they champion those things. And those are the underground uh, counselors and people who could make great ones, but they don't feel they can because, again, there's a system that really shapes politics into a specific way or this is the person or, you know, because it's not meant for artists because it's not kind. It's not meant for community individuals because you have to ask and you have to go beyond your willingness to just give because as community members, you just give. And so it's... Yeah, I, I posted about this today that, you know, just, you know it's, it's been a tough election season for me. I would say this has been a tough election. And I'm not here for the kind of politics that tears people down. You know, I'm here for the kind of politics that build people up. And to me, you know, I think compassion is, I think, is really important. I think having a track record of working in justice and working in people and community-oriented spaces uh, is important. Knowledge about how governance works uh, matters. Um, and, and these are some of the criteria I, you know, I, I certainly uh, want to be judged on, you know, my track record. I, I think that that speaks volumes. And but you know, everybody, everybody, uh, you know, has the right to kind of develop their own criteria. But these are some things that matter to me, and I actually do even look at um, partisan politics, provincial and federal. I don't know about you, but I certainly do look at it from some of those lens as well. I concur, and I agree to that. I think it's just a lot, a good amount of times. It it angers me when we have people who don't even have the level of empathy a child would in politics that's the type of stuff to me that i go how are we grading these people and what's the standard of a good counselor and what makes an incumbent so successful is it the name or the actual service so there are these measures those are that's the type of thing that i really want to tackle in a system is what are those things that make it so easy for people who aren't doing anything to maintain power you know because it happens. Quite a few people are like that. <laughs> and unfortunately, that's the reality of it. And they're, they're good. They're good at that 
aspect of it and change won't happen if the same people are at the table and communities aren't feeling engaged or represented or heard or valued. I've heard quite a few people say I've complained about this or I've mentioned this and you know what nobody's helping me I'm moving out of Edmonton and they like they're not even they can feel it in them that they're being genuine and it 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 sucks cuz I have to overcome that as the candidate to say you're not even getting responded to by your counselor and that's unfortunate I would and they're like yeah sure so it's like their negligence is carrying on to how people feel about the election cycle period and then we start losing more yeah people. that's right and they no matter how what kind of intention you come with they group you with those yeah. people you know those you're the politician and sometimes i think it is funny because i think when you show up at the door and you say you know you're running for city council i think it doesn't matter what level of government you are it doesn't matter like what position you are it doesn't matter if you're elected incumbent or not you just end up falling into the same category of you know these politicians who who don't respond who are all the same who promise things that they can't deliver and uh and it's it's so much harder for i think for folks like us to kind of just be exist or exist or to like to you know to talk about the things we really actually want to talk about but how you're like justifying how you're different and how you're not like them and i don't know about you but i certainly find that's the case for me (laughs) Yeah, no, uh, and and in in all honesty, it's another thing as well is the whole promises thing. Um, I don't know if you found this to be accurate, but I find that people vote based on two things: either anger or fear. Either they're afraid to lose something, or something coming in is going to ruin their their livelihood, or they're just genuinely angry at somebody. Right? It felt like people voted somebody out last time because they were angry at them. And now they're angry at them again, and they may vote them out, and they're fearful of a certain thing. And it's not genuinely, I'm voting for that candidate because they will bring change. It's always the fear aspect of it. And it's honest. It just, I guess that makes, it makes people vote more. It's weird. And I'm like, well, how can I bring you hope? How can I change the way you vote, right? I'm saying to you, I'm not going to make you any promise other than as a, as, as a counselor that I will respond to your concerns in a way that I can one, try to solve the issue that you're having. And if I cannot provide it, uh, uh, that conversation or that communication in a way to explain that, I'm trying, but it's not there. Thank you. Now we need to find a way to change that system because it's creating a challenge. I mean, look at look at what some politicians are doing, using fear and anger to fuel their campaigns. You know, very, so very Trump-like, you know, tactics. And I think it's so disappointing that this is how we, um, and, then, and this is the kind of tearing people down kind of aspect I'm talking about that I'm, I'm just not here for. No. Uh, and I think what always inspired a lot of people about the Obama campaign was, is that, is that element of hope. And no. I think in this day and age with the pandemic that we're facing and so many people are struggling, we need that, you know, and yep. we need people who can be proactive about actions, about solutions, uh, who knows how to get things done. Um, I mean, that's, that, that, that's what I'm here for. So. Yeah, no, and as my father would say, the best form of revenge is success. If they think you can't do something, prove to them how well you can do it better than they could. And then that way, honestly, um, potentially create a system where people hold people way more accountable for a higher standard because you set that bar so high that even you don't attain it. They go, get out of here. We need somebody with that level again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, anyways, as per usual... 
great talking to you. Um, again, the federal election advanced polling has opened uh, and the election day is 20th. Uh, but this after the 20th is going to be, you know, the last four weeks until municipal election and um, support your candidates. If you have somebody in your um, give your time. Go out, donate, volunteer. Honestly, it, they, this will make a change if you believe in somebody. Another thing we are talking about earlier about how do we get candidates, it's weird in politics. We're expected to change who we are, to behave a certain way. If you already know who we are and you've seen the capacity and some of the candidates in your writing or in your community that you already know based on the experience, grade them on that and how well they've done that and instead of how well they're adapting to this climate of politics. That's right. That's right. Awesome. Thanks so much. And we'll see you next time. Peace. Bye. Thank you for listening. This episode was edited by Lisa Pruden with direct support and guidance by Omar Yacoub. Music produced by Kaz Otherwise, Podcast is an affiliate member of the Alberta Podcast Network. Locally grown, community supported. Special thanks to Megan Robinson-Anagor, Jenna Moji, and Morenike Molaoshe-Bikan, who are co-founders and contributors to Season 1 of The Otherwise Show, done with the support of the Ribbon Rouge Foundation. You can find past and current episodes at ribbonrouge.com slash otherwise dash show. To follow our journey, you can check us out at Karen Tang, Y-E-G, and A Nomadic on Twitter and Instagram. Or at our websites, karentang.ca and ahmedali.ca. Thanks for joining. See you next time.